This is the Alchemize Your Life podcast. This is part two of our episodes all about our experience with Mama Aya. So we're going really deep this time on my personal transformation, healing sisterhood wounds, and the conception of our esoteric leadership school, The Prism. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Sian Kenshin. And I'm Stephanie J. And we're here to alchemize your life. In this podcast, we show you how to apply the principles of spirituality, prosperity, and sexuality to create true and lasting transformations in your life and business. Join us at the Prism Institute of Quantum Alchemy as we explore the ancient esoteric teachings of Buddhism, Tantra, Hermetics, and more. As we weave these primal energies together within ourselves, we repair the fractured consciousness of humanity itself. Join us in liberating the world and realizing that the gold is in you. What's up, guys? Welcome to the second part of our hopefully two-part series. I think we can keep this one down to two parts. The last one got a little outlandish on us. Well, I mean, it was pretty outlandish. There was a lot to share. Like, actually, part of me is really surprised that we got that down to 55 minutes that first half, because the last few times we've told this, like, the full extensive story, it's been like a four to five hour journey, which is part of the reason why we've been um, resistant to sharing it with, like, our friends, because it's like every single time we tell a story, it's like five hours. So, And there's at least, like... 10 people who want to hear the story. So. I think there's a lot more than 10 people. And I, I said at least. <laughs> this is technically correct, but that's an interesting technicality. <laughs> so let's recap a little bit what we, uh, what we went through in the last episode. So we started off talking about a premonistic dream that resulted in a new family member for us. And then we got into our realization of like, magical practices and how they were seemingly changing the environment's effects on our field. Yeah, which was fucking wild. Like that still blows my mind that magic actually works that way. Um, And then we went really deep into your story, into your journey. Right, like facing the demons and ultimately loving and forgiving them and transmuting their energy so that they could rejoin with the mothership. And, and you, you know what, what, what the most powerful transformation was from that hmm. is that there's literally nothing that could scare me now. Like there, there's literally nothing. I've, I've seen the worst of the worst in myself. You know, and so like even seeing that in somebody else, I can look at it with like understanding. Mm-hmm. Understanding, love, compassion. Mm-hmm. 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 So, yeah, and and it's it's interesting if you look at like um, some of the Buddhist philosophy on like not on levels of consciousness, but levels of development um, towards uh, what they call Buddhahood. Um, this uh there's a stage i think it's like the sixth or seventh boomy 
that like actually describes this and and they say like once you've got this is called the hard stage mm. <laughs> accurate the, the hard stage the, actually no it's it's the very hard stage <laughs> literally the word v hard the very hard stage vh yeah, yeah vh and um the reason is because you gain this kind of indestructible consciousness after mm. and like i read that after the fact and i was like oh now I get I now I understand why it's called that because like literally when you've seen and been through the worst, like there's nothing else that can possibly surprise you. Mm-hmm. So if you have not yet listened to that episode, if this is the first you're catching, um, you know, stay here, listen to this one. <laughs> But you definitely also want to listen to the one before this. And it's got a lot of amazing revelations, a lot of incredible teachings. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of potent, potent power. Am I allowed to say potent power? It's like a tongue twister. PP. PB. VH and PP. <laughs> we're here with the, <laughs> we're all about angry. the letters. You, you guys, we like yeah. literally, I mean, this is like the most time we've spent on a podcast ever so far because our episodes are usually shorter than that. But we took a break. We got all juiced up. And when I say juiced, I mean like actually drinking juice, not the other kind of juiced up, although we encourage that in our lives as well. So we're bo- we're double juiced. DJ. Be- beet juice, carrot juice, green juice. Yeah. Sexual juice. Not not the kind of juice that you buy in the store. No, yes, definitely not that sugar-filled monstrosity that they call juice. I can't believe they are actually allowed to call that juice. It's so crazy. It should be controlled. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Anyways. I digress. So we are now ready and a little sillier than usual because we've been recording for so long, but we're here to share with you the second stage of um, of our Aya journeys and our time at Annie Sheenan. So how about we jump into your journey mm, yeah. with, with Mama Aya? Yeah, well... You know, what's interesting about my journey with Mama Aya is as they say, you know, as within, so without. And Mama Aya, in my instance, gave uh, gave me a very good, very effective external example, um, as well as the internal work of uh, some of the lessons that I needed to learn personally and some of the really, really deep wounds that I had been carrying with me. And it was really, really painful and also really profound. Um so yeah, I, I can't wait to share. I'll, I'll share that with you guys. First, let me start with like my kind of prior experience sitting with ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's literally my two-year anniversary of sitting with ayahuasca. And it's really interesting the way that she came into my life. And I want to take a moment here just to recognize that I know that plant medicine is having a, a huge resurgence right now. It's like plant medicine is to the 2020s as LSD was to the 60s. And we're seeing a lot of that. And I just want to encourage everybody to know that even though it's, you know, quote unquote trendy, like the plant medicine is meant for when you have a calling. It is my personal belief that when you are actually ready for her, she will call you. Mm. And I think there's a lot of people that are just kind of, you know, going down to, we saw this a lot in Tulum, um, where there's just like ayahuasca on every fucking corner as if it's like- you, and ayahuasca and bufo, it was like you could go to a barber shop and get your hair cut in a shot of bufo. And it's like, what the flying <laughs> fuck? Why do those things go I together? Remember, I remember that bufo in a cut. Yeah, yeah it's like bufo barbershop or something like that is yeah. what it was called. And I was just like, this is not 
yeah, this is not resonant with me. <laughs> this is the wrong kind of, well, wrong. This is not my kind of spirituality. It wasn't at the level that we were at. Um, but that's becoming really, really common. And there's a lot of shamans and a lot of people that are, you know, genuinely trying to do good. But I just want to remind you guys that just because there's a boom does not mean that you have to do something. Yeah, exactly. It's super, super, super important. Even in listening to this, like if you feel the calling, amazing. But I don't want anyone to listen to this and be like, oh, now I need to go do plant medicine because Stefan Sian did plant medicine or, you know, the prism had this amazing experience in plant medicine and therefore I must go have that as well. Because the truth is, if you're not ready, you're not going to get the experience you want. She's not going to be able to work with you because you genuinely won't be open. You won't necessarily have a bad experience, but you won't have what you could have had if you had waited something that's lasting longer than say 90 days right yeah or even an experience in general like we know plenty of people that have um sat with mama aya and been like yeah nothing happened right i mean we had someone at anishina and that that was the case um where she was had multiple sessions where there it was very light and and that is an indication of the the psyche not being ready for the work because the truth is that mama aya it will only i mean we're sharing stories of how deep we went mm -hmm. but like i want you guys to understand that we went that deep because we were ready and willing yeah right we had done enough work that that wasn't going to actually rip our psyche open right and we were ready for it but if you so if you're not ready if you genuinely are not ready and you're just doing it because it's the trendy thing to do you're just going to have a very light superfluous experience and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that but if you wait until you have the calling your experience will be way more profound so i just encourage you to check in internally and make sure if if plant medicine is something that you're interested in doing make sure that you're feeling the calling for it and i'll explain what that looked like for me and how it came into my life um and make sure that you're you're doing it for the right reasons. You're not doing it to try and like keep up with the spiritual Joneses. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. Stefan Cian did it, so I'm gonna go and do it. Yeah, or like everybody on Instagram yeah. is doing it now, and like Aaron Doughty started up a plant medicine retreat center. So like you oh, know, did he really? Yeah, 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 yeah. He did, oh, and then you know everybody's going to Rhythmia now, and you know it's like it's trendy. It's trendy to do psychedelics these days, and it's cool. They're really profound. But again, I just want to make sure that you're doing your due diligence and you're following what's in your heart oh, and yeah. not what other people are doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Follow your own path. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If she's meant for you, she'll come to you in your own time when you're ready. Um, okay. And so I'll get off my soapbox now. <laughs> I guess the podcast is made for soapboxes. We, though. we, we almost, it, it literally is a soapbox. Yeah. Like a soapbox. Um, so how ayahuasca came to me was actually, Back in July 2019, I had been on a spiritual journey for a while and I was visiting my friend in Calgary. And um, while visiting her, we found this like tantric cacao ceremony that we were going to go to. And it was, oh my gosh, it was like the most beautiful ceremony. If you guys are in Calgary, like hit us up on Instagram at Stephanie J at Zen Mind Hacker, and we will connect you with this beautiful community that does amazing, amazing tantric pujas. Uh, I think she's still doing them after lockdowns. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I'm happy to connect you to the owner. If you're in Calgary, she's incredible. Anyhow, um, it was a really beautiful night. And at the very end of the night, I get paired with this woman who I have not talked to the entire time. She's just this beautiful young woman. And we had, we're doing eye gazing for five minutes. 
So we're laying down on our side, on our sides, and we're just eye gazing at each other for five minutes. No words, no nothing, just sitting there eye gazing right at the end of the night. And after that is over, we hug, we thank each other. And then she like hunts me down at the end of the, like after everything's done, because there was no talking. She hunts me down right before I leave. And she's like, I saw the grandmother in your eyes. And I'm like, the fuck does that mean? <laughs> no. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have no idea. And she says, you know, the grandmother, like grandmother ayahuasca, like she's in you. She's calling you. I saw the goddess in your eyes. Like you must go. You must meet with her if you have not already. Like she wants you. She's calling you. And I'm like, okay, crazy lady. <laughs> You weren't really like ready at that point. I mean, I was interested and I was curious, but like I had um, never really explored psychedelics in that way. Like the idea of losing control to that level was quite terrifying to me still at that point. Probably for good reason. Yeah, definitely for good reason. And, um, but you know, I was like also trying to be open and like willing to like look at things that were outside of my comfort zone as I was growing. So I was already kind of at that stage where I was like, okay, just because this sounds weird and creepy to me, like doesn't mean I'm going to say no. She had been to Rhythmia. And so um, I started Rhythmia is here in Costa Rica for anyone that's interested. It's like a very luxurious five-star uh, week-long retreat. And uh, so she had been to Rhythmia and that was what she, where she recommended that I go. And I was like, okay, cool. So then, you know, I got back to Winnipeg. I did some research. Um, Rhythmia is a very luxurious experience and it's, it's uh, on the pricier end as far as uh, on the higher end of pricing, as far as ayahuasca retreats go. So I saw the price and I was like, okay, cool. Like maybe in five years or something, that'll be a thing that I'm going to go to is at the time. That's kind of high end stuff, right? It's super high end. And at the time I just had other priorities. So I was like, okay, cool. I know it exists now. I'll put it on my vision board. No big deal. Um, but then it just kept kind of coming up and I kept being, you know, I was like, oh, like this is something that I'm just really, really interested in. And that was in July. So then in August, I'm um, receiving a henna tattoo from a dear friend of mine and I'm sharing this experience with her. And, uh, cause the universe is crazy this way. It turns out her, uh, then partner, I think now husband who I had never met happens to be a shaman who works very closely with the plant ayahuasca in Winnipeg. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Okay, this is interesting. So if this is something I don't have to go all the way to Costa Rica for and spend, you know, five to $6,000 on, which at the time was like an insane amount of money. Mm -hmm. um, Cool. I'll do it here. Amazing. And I actually tried between August and November three different times to have a session with him. (laughs) And two times it got canceled uh, because he, you know, I think he got strep throat once. And then another one was accidentally booked at the same time as a really busy night downtown. And so he had to cancel it. And then the third time I just like was not available. So three times I tried to make this arrangement and all three times it got canceled. And then finally, um, the fourth time I tried to go, I actually was going to a meditation retreat with the infamous Sian Kenshin. Oh, who's that? <laughs> Wait, is that me? I think that's you. Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And you just like casually were like, yeah, you should come to this meditation retreat. And I was like, nah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to go. Like, that's like, that's the Grey Cup weekend. And my friends want to do this weird football stuff. And you had just gone to one like, like a month and a half ago. A meditation retreat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same. The same retreat. So I was like, I just went to this a month and a half ago. It's Grey Cup. You know, my partner at the time and all of his friends are like really into the Grey Cup. 
So probably I'll do that instead. So I was like not super interested. And then Cian casually slips in. Uh, yeah, I'm just getting a couple of friends together after that. And we're going to go do an ayahuasca journey. And I was sold. <laughs> I was like, yes, she's please. Like, she's like, literally, well, I don't have the money for that right now, but uh, let me just see what I can do. Yeah. And that was a really good example of being in alignment and things manifesting because that was on Monday. And by Thursday, I had the money for it. I literally got a bonus out of nowhere. So it was like the universe was really pushing me in that direction. Oh, the exact amount. The exact amount, like to the penny, the exact amount. So it was very clear the universe was like, this money is for this very specific thing. Like, do not go buy clothes. It is for this thing and to this thing only. Um, And so I went, that was my first ceremony. And I've done three ceremonies since then, two ceremonies in Winnipeg. Well, and then like, and then all the ones in, in like all the ones in Anishina. Did we only do two in Winnipeg? No, we did three in Winnipeg. Right. We did three. One with my dad and then one with the other guy. Yeah. Yeah, we ended up doing three in Winnipeg. And so all three of my ceremonies in Winnipeg were profound. They were beautiful. Uh, we mentioned in the last episode about how, um, you know, you kind of get a free, in our experience anyways, the experience of both mind, self, and CN, you get this like free preview for a few a few sessions of like all of the amazing things and all the powers and all these wonderful, like the way the world could look, you know, if you like really right. tapped into it. Yeah. So it's like really the free preview. For me, it was like goddess energy and playing in jhanas and transcendental. Yeah, super totally sovereign. Like jumping outside of the self. Yeah, and I had a, in a lot of experiences of like connections to past lives and ancestors and other galaxies and you know lots of just traveling and it was just beautiful. And um, so. Yeah. It's just like the drug dealer is like, hey, yeah, the first hit's free. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You got to do your time. Exactly. So those first three were incredible for me. And then we got down into Annie Sheenan. And my first session with Annie Sheenan was very similar. Like the most empowered session I'd ever had. I was dancing. I was moving. I was moaning. It was like Annie. It was like Mama Aya was working on my body and like move like I could feel her like cracking bones that were out of place back into place Mm. and like loosening muscles Mm. and oh my gosh it was it was divine I could feel like lion energy and dragon energy and tiger energy and like fairies and like all these different archetypes moving through me I I remember so clearly like because while that was happening to you I was like in the pit of despair (laughs) and I remember lying sprawled on the floor looking up at you like this fucking goddess just like dancing and your your body was moving like tara you mm. know like the go- this deity tara and her body just moved so so fluidly and like goddess like just mm-hmm. like perfect movements every time you know and and i'm just like i you're like sitting up tall you're like elevated on this high mountain of energy and i'm internally like feeling like i'm in the muck Mm. and i'm just like wow why am i so much in the muck and i have like this goddess next to me and i'm just looking up at you like this child of like you know like oh my god like do you still look at me like that sometimes what do you mean sometimes (laughs) (laughs) you're supposed to say all the time you dick well i mean I, I've taken vows not to lie, so yeah. Like. Rude. <laughs> Rude. 
90% of the time? Give me a percentage, uh, since I, we know you can't lie I mean, now. Since, since all stats are made up, I could easily say 90%. Yeah, but you're also not allowed to lie. Yeah, it's not a lie if I don't know the truth. Oh, shush. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a loophole there. I don't like loopholes. Actually, I love loopholes. I live for loopholes. Anyways. So yeah, my first experience was beautiful. My first night was amazing, super empowering, loved every single piece of it. Uh, the remainder of my journey at Annie Sheenan was uh, terrifying mm. <laughs> until my last night. Oh, yeah. 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 It was, it was tough. It was really, really hard. So um, essentially what I journeyed, the, the next three, literally the next three uh, sessions I went in for the next one being like, bloop, 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 like, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to be a goddess again. This is great. Like, which deity will I embody today? Like, fully prepared for this glorious experience. <laughs> and she bitch slapped me so fucking hard. Like, my face was spinning for, like, three weeks, basically. She's like, oh, you think you got this? Yeah. You think you got this? Yeah. Yeah. So she really, and what's beautiful is she was showing me what she shows you is like, you get the free preview and then you get all the reasons that your life isn't currently like that. So you see what's possible for yourself. And at least that's what happened for me and also what happened for Kenshin. You see what's possible. And then she's like, okay, now if you want that, here's the shit you got to go through. You've got to drop, as we mentioned on the last episode, drop all these rocks. And so for me, um, I was just, just tortured for an entire session. Like I didn't know which way was up, which way was down, what planet I was on. Like, and as, as Cian mentioned, like it didn't matter if your eyes were open or closed or you look left or you look right. Like the trauma is there. It's right in front of your face and you cannot get away from it. And it was just like coming and coming and coming and coming. And I just remember crying and, and just being like a a loud like total mess like you know normally i keep it together but like this was like well, i was a shit show and, and you were even like in yourself trying to hold it together and not in that one that oh, was the third oh, one that was the next okay yeah yeah, yeah. not in the in the second one i was just, just like, like pff, just complete, gone complete mess yeah. i had uh they have two shamans at least two shamans for every ceremony at anishinan and for i think the majority of the night I had both of them like on top of me and like literally sucking energetic demons out of my body. Yeah, I remember seeing that. That was wild. Yeah, and I could feel them too. Like I, it felt like there was worms in my body and they were like, I could feel them pulling worms out of my abdomen, pulling worms out of my neck, pulling worms out of my jaw and like spitting them out. And if, you, um, if you're curious about what that means, how literal I'm being right now, you can read a book called uh, The Shaman's Way. Mm -hmm. I can't remember who, who it's by, but we'll put it in the show notes off the top of my head. But it's called, or The Way of the Shaman. The Way or of the Shaman. The Way of the Shaman, I think. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes for you guys. Um, but yeah, that explains in a lot of great detail what it's like to have, you know, energetic entities sucked out of your body by, uh, mm -hmm. by a shaman. But yeah, I just like... I was a shell of a human after that. Like that was the the um, session that just completely floored me, and and Cian literally had to drag me to to eat and everything. I was just a, a shit show. And what was really interesting is I recall at that time being um, not while I was in it, but I recall as I was coming out of it, and definitely like the next day, I was so ashamed of how much of a shit show I had been, and. I was genuine, gen 
genuinely, pardon me, very concerned. Like I didn't want to show my face at the I remember. At the food tambo. Like yeah. I literally was like so embarrassed to go there that I had been like created caused such a scene and I was I was like beside myself. Like mm-hmm. yeah, just uh, you know, just not comfortable with the with the scene I had created, which is part of the lesson in and of itself. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. And uh, then, you know, finally I, I work up the courage and I go hang out with everybody else that's, you know, go on dieta at the same time as us and I have some food and I apologize profusely for my behavior and everybody's like, no, 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 it's totally cool. Like you were just in your process. Don't worry about it. And to me, I'm thinking, wow, I was like, I had both the shamans. I was a mess. I was loud. I was obnoxious. I was like crying and drooling and puking and like, you know, I was a mess. Yeah. And it baffles me that you guys that that didn't bother you, but like, thank you. I'm really glad that didn't bother you. That's amazing. And I felt so like comfortable and loved and safe to express and really be in my own process. Um, And then I spent the weekend reading and it's really amazing. One of the things that you do when you're in Anishina, and for me anyways, or like in these processes, is if you intuitively allow yourself to pick your reading material, you will always read the right passage at the right time. Totally. Yeah, you had this experience as well. And I want to be clear that, like, don't bring fiction books that you can use as escapism. But, like, we brought, you know, Dharma books with us. And it. Tantra books and, like, the Sophia Code and, like, Buddhist books. I was, like, reading stuff for my priest training at the time. Yeah. And I was reading um, The Master's Bedroom, which is all about uh, Kalinda de la Gurasana and her life. And, yeah, The Sophia Code. And um, this is. Oh, yeah. And then The Way of the Shaman I was reading as well. Yeah, Yeah. So I was kind of flipping between those three books and it was just impeccable how anytime I was struggling through something, I would just like open the page and like that would be the message that I needed to read. Mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of the weekend like checking in with my guides, knowing that I was going to go into a ceremony again on Monday and have a very similar experience because I know how this works. You just have that experience over and over and over again until you you master it, right? Until you beat it. It's like you're you're doing the same level of a video game over just like life. (laughs) And if you keep dying, you just have to, you know, meet and hit it again. Exactly. And I was like, okay, this one took me through the ringer last time. I know it's coming back. So like, what am I going to do to process it? And, um, so I just kind of like went back to like, okay, like, you know, it's not going to kill you. You know, it's not going to hurt you. I see in at this point was two sessions ahead of me as far as like experience. So you had had your like revelation of like eyes open mm-hmm. and, and just be willing to meet it. You hadn't had the love realization oh, yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah, Eyes open. Yeah, yeah. I remember. From Junpo, yeah. Uh, Junpo, my uh, late, recently departed Roshi. Yeah. Uh, who's that? Or actually Abbott. He was mm-hmm. the head of the Zen order that I'm part of. He had recently died. So he was actually there with me. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. He was and, very present. Uh, he had always told me, Kenshin, eyes open. Mm-hmm. And that came just at the right time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's beautiful because it helped you and then me too, the next session, right? right so I told you about it. You told me, yeah, we journeyed it with you. And then I was like, okay, so similar tools. So eyes open, like again, surrender, but don't become it. So a lot of the same lessons that we shared that um CN had journeyed in the last episode, they I was just a little bit delayed because my first ceremony was so beautiful. So I was like one ceremony behind you basically mm-hmm. in that realization. So I was able to learn from you, thankfully. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> You're babe. You're welcome. I'm grateful. And um, so I go into this next session and into this next ceremony and uh, I feel like I'm doing an amazing job. Like the, the visions are coming. 
the terror is there, all of the same stories and all of the reasons I'm holding myself back and the surrounding like caring too much about what other people think and, you know, all of those stories around, you know, the, the witch wound that so many of us have and fear of speaking up our voice and, and minimizing ourselves for others. Like those were kind of the, the key themes that were tormenting me, but in very demonic fashion with like, you know, not nice faces and friends, faces of my friends that were like vicious is like the worst nightmare you can imagine that you just can't wake up from. And as this is all coming, I'm sitting there and I'm like rocking to myself and I'm just reminding myself, you know, like I had these mantras of like, you've got to feel it to heal it. It can't hurt you. Eyes open, stay here. So I had all of these mantras and I'm literally just like rocking back and forth and like speaking these mantras to myself to keep myself grounded enough that I can go through the experience without becoming the experience like we talked about in the last episode. And um, what was interesting is about halfway through the session, all of a sudden, somebody's talking to me, but like I would have these really weird like time warp um, spatial shifts in, in my being that nobody else really seemed to have, but it would be very hard for me to like put together anything that was in like regular 3D reality while I was in it. Like finding my bucket, impossible. Walking to the bathroom, not happening. Like I am a puddle on the floor and I am not moving until this, uh, this lesson is over. And so having someone walk across the room and like shine a red light in my eyes and have a conversation with me was very disorienting because I'm like, what, what is this thing? Like, is this a human? Like, I don't even know because I was so in my process. And having them try to explain to me that I was being disruptive to the container because I was speaking my truth. (laughs) Yeah, and and if we like, if we go back to the rules of the container, like nobody's actually supposed to talk to each other. Yeah. Right? Like there's, there's like everyone's in their own process. You don't, you don't have cross-contamination. You keep it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't apply to like sh- your shit coming out, mm-hmm. like just like crying, even screaming, like um, puking, yeah, every- everything, all of the things the, the that pro- can come out. The process, right? Like actually letting the energy move out of your body. Yeah. Uh, that's totally different than going into somebody else's field and, and like intentionally interacting with them. Right. Like, yeah. So this happened a couple of times and I kind of just like blew it off. Like the second the person left, I was back in it again. So it was almost like I barely had a memory of it happening. Mm-hmm. Um, until there came a point when I was actually being like lifted off the ground and somebody was trying to like pick me up and carry me somewhere. And then I lost my mind because I couldn't like the idea of leaving the like quote unquote safe space (laughs) that was, was just completely terrifying to me. And then having that individual tell me, oh, you're taking up too much space. You're being too loud. You're being disruptive. This guy wasn't one of the shamans, right? Not a shaman. And we're not... Let me preface here. I'm sharing the full experience so that you guys can hear how this like reflected in me. But I want to start off with saying that this was perfect. It yeah. left an incredible lesson for me and for literally every single person in this Malacca. Like the universe completely and totally orchestrated totally. for us to all have this experience and conspired for all of us to learn from each other. Yeah. So I don't want this to sound like, blah, this guy's an asshole and blah, 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 blah. He's not at all. This was an amazing lesson for all of us. That was his own stuff right there, right? That was his stuff totally, right? Because we all have our own stuff coming up in these ceremonies, right? And sometimes the way they interact when you're doing group ceremonies is 
fascinating the way the universe conspires for the right people with the right traumas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, long story short is I ended up being removed from the situation and being told, ironically, that uh, I was taking up too much space and I was being too loud and too disruptive and was unprepared for the ceremony. And the reason I say that this is ironic is because uh, the session before that, I had been a complete and total fucking shit show. Like, loud, obnoxious, writhing on the floor, puking everywhere. Like, I, yeah. the ceremony before that was fucking rough. This ceremony, I was, like, in my own little bubble, yeah. speaking mantras to myself and trying to be mindful of not bothering other people. Yeah, you were trying to hold it together. I was trying to hold it together. And by trying to hold it together, other people came in to try to correct me and tell me I was taking up too much space. Yeah. Whereas the ceremony before, when I had not been trying to hold it together and I'd been so in it that I was just in it. Isn't that interesting? Totally. Yeah, and all of a sudden you're, you're trying to yield to whatever structure there is and then the structure comes in and doubles down on it. Yes. Whereas when I was just blatantly disregarding the structure and then felt bad about it, everybody was like, no, it was fine. Yeah. No problem. You were just in your process. Don't worry about it. Isn't that yeah, so fascinating. But in that moment, being um, chastised by this one person, and we've now, for context, we've spent a week 24-7 with this group of people. They were becoming close, right? We were getting very close to these people. Um, and I had a lot of heart connection with them. And there was a woman that was there that I felt a lot of resonance with, like a, a very sisterly love. And She just could not handle no. what you were going through. No, she could not at all. Um, and, and she actually ended up screaming at me from across the room. This is like a massive room. Yeah. And um, like, Stephanie, get it together. What's wrong with you? Try something different. Just like total like. The, cra the crazy thing is like the reason there are those rules is because literally they were using you as an excuse to pull out of their own process. Exactly. Because they were both finally hitting something that was terrifying yeah and you provided a great escape mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah exactly right it's a distraction yeah. i was yeah. a distraction for them to the, to correct and pull themselves out of their own experience and i also think that me being so unapologetically in my experience was also very triggering for both of them because they were under the impression that that was not permissible well and they had been there for like so long before we got there yeah. and clearly had been like holding back yeah, because they had a story that that type of surrender was inappropriate. So to see me surrendering at that level and being it, like so in it, that creates discord, right? That creates cognitive dissonance. Like some part of your being knows that you need to go to that level, but your ego won't let you go there because it thinks it's breaking a rule. That makes the body uncomfortable. And what do you do? You lash out to the person who's creating that feeling because you think it's the person that's creating the feeling, not your own inner discord. Yeah. You, you project your stuff on the outside world. Totally. It's just a microcosm of what we actually do when we're walking around all day long, right? Totally. Yeah. And so, um, you know, long story short, I end up getting taken out of the Malacca. Scenes holding me, looking at the stars. We're grounding our, uh, and the stars were incredible that night. Oh my God. They were so beautiful. I had such a, actually, that was one spot where like, I think you went to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like holding myself up on the on the malacca and and I'm looking up at the stars. And then like it's like my third eye activated, and all of a sudden the stars were like inside my mind. Mm. Like, the whole universe was like contained inside of me. That was so wild. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. 
<clears throat> excuse me. Um, where was I going with this? Oh yeah. And I'm just crying. Yeah. I'm just crying because everything in me is like, but I tried so hard to hold it together and I was trying so hard not to be disruptive and I still got yelled at and all I wanted and it, you all know, it's I wanted was love. Yeah. Because yeah. what was going through before I realized that I was being yelled at by this woman, I was like, you know, I was, again, I was struggling and I was trying so hard. And one of the visions that kept coming to me was the idea of having this woman come behind my shoulders and hold me the way that if you were a sister, you would hold your sister who's bawling her eyes out and like clearly going through a trauma. Like, you know how you would just lean over the back and just hold them with so much love. And I had this, this feeling of her doing that. I think it was probably her spirit that was doing that for me. Like I could feel that she was there, but you can imagine the shock when I can feel her there. But then the 3D reality is she's screaming at me to shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Created a lot of confusion in my being. And so I, I just bawled my eyes out and we, you know, we went home and we're not home, but like back to our Malacca and that, that experience just rocked me to my core that one session it blew up my relations with everybody that was in the container you didn't even go to the kitchen for like a whole day i think no i just because i just didn't want to see anyone because i was so mad yeah you were like that is kind of what happened so after i kind of calmed down a little bit i got angry like, A, how dare you chastise me when I'm in my process? B, who the fuck do you think you are to be, like, policing behavior? And C, who are you to be yelling at me across the room? Like, everything that you guys did is blatantly breaking of all the rules. I was the one that was following the rules. Like, how dare you? And, of course, that that righteous anger is covering up the hurt underneath of, all I wanted was love and I got yelled at, which was the story. And that's that's the pattern we identified, yeah. right? Like we looked at like, I, I remember we were sitting in, in our little tambour and and I was asking you like, well, what's the pattern? What's the pattern? And And it came out. It was like, you know, all I wanted was love. I was just trying to hold it together and mm-hmm. I still got yelled at anyways. Mm-hmm. And we kind of went deep on that. I was like, well, where else did that show up in your life? Literally everywhere. <laughs> like, it's almost like she magnetizes these type of situations towards her. Yeah, and that's what we do, right? We magnetize the situations that um, enable us to grow because there's like that little piece inside of us that has this story of, you know, and I, all I wanted was love and instead I got yelled at and I was trying to follow all the rules, my little Virgo ascending there, trying to follow all the rules and I still got yelled at. And that's just like that good girl archetype, right? Yeah. That learned that it wasn't safe to be my true self. So I have to pretend to be somebody I'm not. And if you guys are paying attention here, you're recognizing the the complete and total irony here because on the night that I was a total shit show, I was completely and totally unapologetically myself and everyone was cool with it. Yeah. And on the night that I was maybe 50% that much of a shit show, trying so hard and expending so much energy to hold it all together, the entire community fucking exploded. Yeah. (laughs) Like not just me, everybody. It's so interesting. Like when I think of, my own experiences of those kind of situations of like community policing Mm -hmm. and like then actually trying to abide by the rules and people still like going after. Um, And I'm like, yeah, 
Scorpios have like the exact opposite reaction. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you're you're gonna like call me out while I'm still trying to follow the rules. Well, I might as well just fucking throw those out the window and fuck y'all, and mm-hmm. I'm just gonna like over the top you. <laughs> like, yeah. like, it's yeah. just like, oh, there are no rules now, and you're all a bunch of motherfuckers, and I'm just gonna do what I want. Mm-hmm. And that's really what ended up being kind of our like I don't want to say solution, but kind of our solution is we I just know, decided, yeah. you know what? Like, fuck it. We're going to have the ceremony that we need to have. This is our process. Yeah. And, you know, and to be fair, we weren't huge assholes. Like, we checked in with the shamans and we checked in with the owner of the property and we, like, we communicated it. We got permission to be in our process. From the elders, yeah. Whatever comes out. Yeah. And we went to the community and we're like, listen, to be clear, none of you shall be policing each other's or our activity anymore mm-hmm. right everyone here needs to pay attention to their own process mm-hmm. we've talked with the shamans we've talked with the owners like if you guys want to police each other like whatever be, have fun be, have fun yeah but do not try to correct any of our behavior do not try to interfere with our process we both intend to go deep and mm-hmm. to totally unify the fragments of our consciousness that are causing these things and we need to be able to fully let go yeah without fear of repercussions or anything like that the ego will use anything to escape the process yeah you have to have complete permission to go deep and let it out whether it's crying, whether it's screaming, whether it's like tantruming, like if you have any fear of like repercussions, of like judgment, of shame, of anything, the ego will just use that to steer you right away from that scary thing that you have to go through. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't want to give our ego anywhere to run or anywhere to hide or any excuses to not go deep. And so we, you know, just relentlessly removed those mm. with full permission, again, from the shamans, from the owner. That was really important to us. Like, I do want to be respectful of the culture that we're in and the community that we're in. Um, but that really gave us permission to not have to worry about what anyone else thought. And what's interesting here is like, really, when we're reflecting back, it was two major life patterns of mine that were being worked through for the rest, basically the rest of the retreat. It was me dancing between worrying about what other people thought and standing in my own truth and worrying about what other people thought and standing in my own truth and like consistently leaning into that edge and trying to find out like, where does, where does the community values get to trump my values? Like, where does that make sense? Where is that the respectful thing to do? Where are the places where I get to say, fuck you to the community values and I get to stand in my truth? And so it was really coming back to that sovereignty and really discovering that sovereignty in myself was such a huge theme. And then being willing to like open my heart to, to people that, that really hurt it and just being like, okay, hey, like this happened you know, this, I, I had this sisterly connection with you and you basically ripped my heart out and stomped on it. That happened because I had a resonance there. I allowed that to happen. The sisterhood wound. The sisterhood wound. Exactly. Which is something that, you know, I've been journeying for quite a while, ever since our first trip to Costa Rica, when we went to Envision and it came up in breath work. So that's been a theme of mine or had been a theme of mine and and continues to be because there's always deeper layers. Um, 
But it was really, really profound for me to work through those two main. And then every time I went into ceremony after that, it was those two themes, those two themes over and over and over again until I remember the very last ceremony that I did. I remember, or second last ceremony, I remember just, you know, before I went in, because up until this point, Mama Aya had had ravaged me pretty hard every time I went to see her, like every fucking time. Um, And so I remember going in and just being like, please, like, why does it have to be hard? It shouldn't have to be hard. And she was just like, well, yeah, you're the one that's making it hard. What? (laughs) And when I realized that, it all evaporated and everything kind of just went back. Like my entire ayahuasca journey, I was only about halfway through that evening and it just stopped. Like the whole, it was like the hallucina- hallucinations went, the like spatial um, distortions, time distortions, visual, all of it just poof, disappeared. Well, that is the cosmic joke, isn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like you, you are the cause of all of your suffering. Literally all of it. We are the cause of all of it because we're the creator of our reality too, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a very empowering thing to consider. But um, yeah, I had that that realization. And then the next ceremony, if you recall, I was told very clearly not to wear contacts. Yeah, I remember that. So my very last ceremony, I went in. And, and like really interested about being told not to wear contacts. And I remember like I had I had come to a lot of peace. This was a very peaceful ceremony, my last one. It was a very, very peaceful ceremony. And I remember her rolling me over onto my back and I had that feeling of being like worked on. Operated on. Operated on. By aliens. Yes. Yeah, we'd been doing a lot of work with the Melchizedek beings up until this point uh, and continue to work very closely with them. And I could literally feel like poking around in my jaw and realigning Mm. of things. I could feel like my eyeballs, literally my eyelids being like pried open, like the way I would imagine they would be in LASIK surgery. where like drops being put on them. Drops being put on my eyes. I could feel things in my stomach being moved around, things in my chest being moved around. Yeah, it was... It was wild. And while all of this was happening, I could see like auras and energy and shadows and flashing. And it was, um, yeah, was like, really powerful experience. Was like the first night for me was like, or no, the second one yeah, where it was really light. And yeah, it was like in the shamanic state of consciousness. And yeah. I could see the, sh- the shades that were over the shamans and I could see all the shadows that they were extracting and mm-hmm. throwing out. And yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty wild. Yeah, yep, yep. And I remember that actually wasn't supposed to be my last ceremony. It was supposed to be my third, like there was supposed to be two more. Yeah. And I remember as it was winding down, having this sense of like, it's complete, like your work is complete. And it was, that was almost like my final test Mm. because the perfectionist in me is like, well, no, we we committed that we would do this many ceremonies yeah. and not doing that many ceremonies feels like giving up I'm feels like cheating out. yeah yeah like maybe those two ceremonies are going to have really powerful I'm things just getting in my own way yeah my ego's driving the bus right like all of those stories and so that was kind of like my final test is was i going to trust that intuitive hit of you're complete now or was I going to push through because I quote unquote should because that's what you're supposed to do? Uh, that 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 sh- that should work. Hey? That should work exactly. How many, how many of our clients deal with this like should thing? I mean, the whole population deals with the should yeah. thing. That's what society loves about it, right? Yeah. It's so easy to control a population with the word should. One of my clients, he just like had the most amazing breakthrough. He was like, 
I'm only behaving this way and feeling guilty because I have an idea of what people think of me in my own head. Mm, wow, that's profound. Yeah. And he's like, I'm only feeling guilty about not behaving in the way that I used to because I have an idea that they have an idea of the way I am. And that's in my head. Mm. And I just need to let go of that illusion in order to like, just feel good about being the way I am now. Mm -hmm. I'm like, fuck yeah, man. Can Mm -hmm. I quote you on that? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well done. Yeah. Yeah, And I mean, that's really a good wrap up. Like that was the majority of my lessons was just coming into my own truth and trusting that over everything else because even when I trusted that I was allowing my own expression and then that story of all I wanted was love so I was altering my behavior to get love and then I got yelled at even that was at the root of just be your fucking self Mm. just trust your own inner intuition I I know why your intuition told you to uh, stop for those last two do you remember why well a because I was complete yeah and B, so that you could go into the depth of your process. Yeah, yeah. So one one thing that was happening is like pretty much like the whole time, like she was just totally floored, mm-hmm. like physically. Yeah. And her 3D spatial awareness was not so good. It was It was atrocious. Like, I don't know why that happens to me and only me. But like everything that is in this 3D realm basically dissolves. Stops existing. Yeah. Like I don't, I can't comprehend blankets, legs, walking, (laughs) standing, nothing. She'll just be like bucket. And then I pull myself out of the process, grab a bucket and give it to her. Yeah. And she'll be like water. And, and like my being's really good at maintaining that. Mm-hmm. sort of awareness and going deep mm-hmm. and pulling out and then go dropping right back in. Mm-hmm. So like I can totally do that. And I, it's weird how I can just know where the water bottle is, where yeah. the bucket is. And I guys, I would, cause I was again, feeling a little guilty about pulling Cian out of his process. So I would be very intentional. Like my bucket is here. It's right in front of me. My water <laughs> is right next to it. I remember you trying. Like every single yeah. session I was like, these are right in front of me. They are close. They are available. Yeah. And then, you know, boom, I'm in it, gone. It was yeah. like they didn't even exist. Your, 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 your 3D reality dissolves. Yeah. You know, like you're just totally like gone, right? Yeah. And I uh, somehow I have a way of maintaining that. And that's probably what the abbot wanted the Roshis to watch me for. There's mm-hmm. some weird, weird capa- capacity there. Yeah. Because and, with most people um, at, in this ceremony in particular, what we noticed is that they just weren't really going that deep. Like- I can't even fathom. I mean, half of them were smoking tobacco and lighting pipes when they were halfway through their ceremony. And I'm like, there is no way that I would want to work fire in this ceremony. So that was, again, an example of like pulling themselves out of the process to avoid going to the depth. And I think I just went in fully ready to surrender to the pain. Yeah. And the pain, the lessons, whatever it needed to be. When we realized that you were no longer doing ceremony, like... And I asked, like, would you take care of me for, like, these these two sessions? Mm-hmm. Because I didn't know what it might be like if I can just forget where my water bottle is, mm-hmm. forget where my bucket is, and, and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it was actually quite liberating to, like, let go completely. Yeah. 
And it was so, it honestly was so heartwarming when I got to be the one where you were like bucket and you literally couldn't find it. And I was like, oh, I can help. And I got to, and I was like, the bucket's right here. And I was able to give it to you. That just felt so good to me. It was so weird. To like hold that space for you. Yeah, yeah. And it was so weird. Like, because I remember the ego pattern of like, oh, I know where the bucket is. And like, so the hands went to find it but it wasn't there. Anymore. I know, right? That's exactly what happens. And, and, <laughs> and you're like, and, why isn't it there? It's like the hands are moving in their patterns and it's like, it's not there. And then it was like, oh wait, I'm depending on someone else. Bucket, bucket, <laughs> you know, and then the bucket comes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was, that was so, li- because when, when I realized that I could forget and just be out of it and then the need was still fulfilled, like mm-hmm. that, that trust kind of got built in and that's when I went like and I hit that last level mm-hmm. right um that just yeah there was that that demon like way way down there that mm-hmm. I touched into didn't manifest during these ceremonies but I dealt with him in the coming months yeah 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 you did in such an effective way too yeah it was really cool we'll save that for another podcast episode oh totally we're not going down that road. Not, today. <gasps> not today guys not yeah. today what yeah. do we say to death not today it's a little game of thrones reference right there <laughs> pop culture <laughs> Steph one pop culture thank you so overall, you guys, I guess um, where I want to wrap this up is just like we had such profound transformations. And, you know, the other thing that birthed actually just super quick out of Annie Sheenan was oh, uh, the prism. The prism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the prism also birthed. Maybe we can do another. If you guys are curious, we can do an episode on, on that as well. I'd say conceived. Yeah, conceived. It was, it was conceived. That yeah, was the prism was conceived at Annie Sheenan. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It, it was birthed months later in October. In October, yeah. yeah. A little bit of a gestation period there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she really, the prism really downloaded to us also uh, at Annie Sheenan. So if you'd like more details on that, let us know. Again, hit us up on Instagram at Zen Mindhacker, at Stephanie J. And uh, we'll be more than happy to do a podcast episode on that piece. But right now, I think to wrap it up is that, you know, Sian and I, went in a completely ready b really deeply feeling the call and c willing fully willing to surrender to whatever arose and not having an attachment to having a good experience or a bad experience or a scary experience but just going in with beginner's mind fully open heart whatever you need to show me is what i am here to see and because of that our lives changed like we had such an amazing incredible deeply profound experience that I think many people don't get the luxury of having because they don't go in with a fully ready mind to surrender. Yeah, and and that's the kind of change that's permanent, right? Because you're not simply getting popped up into a high vibration or a high state Mm -hmm. where all of a sudden you feel different and you're not really sure why or how, Mm -hmm. right? Like true insight is lasting it's permanent it cannot be taken away Mm -hmm. because you have actually learned the lesson Mm -hmm. and that's one thing i will say that that was different about this time at annie sheenan versus the the three times before Mm -hmm. the three times i'd had before were beautiful magical mystical like i i definitely learned things about myself and they popped me up into this higher state but those were free previews they were not permanent 
or let's say persistent, maybe to use Jeffrey Martin's words, they were not persistent states until I went to Annie Sheenan and was able to actually work through the reasons that they were not persistent. Yeah, yeah. St- states provide um, a different perspective on yourself and your life. Mm-hmm. And it's through seeing the possibility that you realize things can be different. And then eventually... You, if you, if you're, if you're, if you pay attention, you can see all of the parts of your, the aspects of yourself that come online as you fall back to the previous state. And then you know where the work is, Mm -hmm. is in those, those patterns that come back online. Mm -hmm. And as you identify and integrate those patterns, you eventually change the structures of your consciousness. And that's irreversible. It can never be taken away. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great place for us to wrap this episode. What do you think? I think that is perfect. Wonderful. Thank you guys so much for being here with us today, for sharing in our two-part journey into Mm. Annie Sheenan and into Mama Aya. Um, We've recently been feeling called to a few other plant medicines, so you can watch out for more experiential um, experiences, experiential podcasts, (laughs) um, sharing those experiences as they, as they arise in our opportunity in our lives. And as always, we, we love you so much and would love to know what is your experience with plot medicine. Uh, Again, hit us up on Instagram at Stephanie J at Zen Mindhacker and let us know, have you had transcendental experiences? Have you had crazy experiences? Have you had no experiences? Uh, What's plant medicine mean to you? All right. Love you guys. See you next week. Bye. We are so grateful that you decided to hit play on today's episode. If anything in this episode has inspired you or helped you transform your life, make sure to let others know by sharing a review on Spotify or iTunes so we can keep our community growing. We absolutely adore giving away free gifts. Send us a screenshot of your review to team at theprism.org to receive a special meditation from us as a gift of gratitude. We absolutely cannot wait to connect with you in the next episode. Between now and then, don't forget to visit our website at theprism.org. And remember, the goal is always in you.